Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of The Right Type. Today I'm here with Kira, who is the author of The Falling in Love Montage, which is her debut novel. And I'm so excited to talk to her today about her publishing journey and other cool stuff. Kira, could you just introduce yourself to everyone? Hi, uh, my name is Kira Smith and I am the author of The Falling in Love Montage. The book is about Susha, who um, doesn't really believe in love lasting okay because of a lot of things that have sort of happened to her um i think she has very good reasons for not believing in it um but she doesn't want to get into a relationship because she thinks that you're just going to get hurt um or the other person will get hurt and why would you willingly do that to yourself uh then she meets uh, ruby and uh she can't sort of deny that she has these feelings for her, now, these feelings are not love, they are most definitely feelings of lust. So she kind of lets that uh, take over and she gets involved in a relationship with Ruby because Ruby convinces her that they could have a relationship where they both know when it's going to end because she's going to move back to England and um, if they both know when it's going to end then they can't get hurt. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm from, I'm actually from the south, so I'm from Monaghan, um, which is a place that nobody's ever heard of, but I have lived in Belfast for about 15 years, uh, and um, have now got like, kind of a Belfast accent. I'm going to just get straight into the questions. So I always ask my guests to tell me about their publishing journey, how they got to where they are, how they got their agent, their book deal, just so I can show everyone kind of how diverse the experience is for writers um, and how different it is for everyone getting into the industry. Uh, I mean, obviously we all go through kind of the same path, but like it looks different. So could you just tell us basically what you went through? Um, I went through a lot. <laughs> uh, I was, I suppose I always kind of wanted to write a book, but I didn't really think, it seemed like something that other people did and I didn't really understand, like they, that you had to be like really special to write a book and I didn't know, you know, didn't feel very special, so how would I do that? Um, but around 2016, I went to a course at Arvon and it was about writing for young adults and um, I, when I was there, I, I don't know, I think gave me a lot of confidence. Um, I had a lot of good feedback. Tutors there were Tanya Byrne and Sally Rye, and they were both really positive about the the stuff that I gave them to read when I was there. And it kind of made me feel like, oh, maybe I can, maybe I could write a book. So I wrote um, a book that I still really love, actually but did not get published. Um, in fact, I I think I queried maybe like, I don't know, 100 agents. Um, I did not get really any response from it. Um, and then I had to kind of regroup after that. That was really hard. I think I, I know people talk about taking rejection hard, but I took rejection hard. <laughs> and then somehow managed to pick myself up from that, started writing a second book, and, um, same thing, <laughs> no, nobody wanted that one either, um, I queried a lot less people with that one though, because um, I was kind of getting the idea that, you know, 
Um, I think there's this idea that, you know, it only takes one and you didn't. And while that is true, if you are getting very little response from a lot of agents, it's pro- I don't know, maybe it's less likely that that one is going to jump out for this book because it probably it probably means something, maybe not about your rating or how good your book is, but maybe just about whether or not it's currently you know, a marketable idea. At least I think that my first two books were probably not that marketable. Um, and then I was kind of ready to give up, but I would say that I thought, well, I'll write one more and then that's it. I can't, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep doing this thing where I keep getting rejected um, because uh, it, was, it was too hard. Um, but having said that, if this, that was when I wrote the Falling in Love montage and if it had failed, I don't know, I probably would have still written another one, but I was telling myself that I wouldn't. Um, but I wrote it in about five or six months, but I wasn't working, so that was easy at the time. Um, and I kind of knew that it was it was different from the other things that I'd written. I could kind of see that it was maybe something that would be more commercial and that you could like, imagine people being more interested in. Um, I queried very few agents for it, I think maybe seven. And um, I got, I remember getting the email from Alice at like six o'clock in the morning and waking up and being very, very excited. But then also her email was just kind of thing where she said, oh, I'd really like to talk to you. I really loved your book, but I'd really like to talk to you. Could we arrange a phone call? And I was like, but is this the phone call? It is Because I didn't know. So I was trying not to get myself, <laughs> I was trying not to get myself all worked up about it because I was like, well, what if she's ringing just to reject me on the phone? <laughs> I mean, that would be, that would be hard, but you know, um, but it wasn't, and she she offered me representation um, when I spoke to her. And I did take, uh, I said to her that I'd take a couple of weeks to, um, to sort of think about it, and I'd email her, because I'd just started querying, um, and I said I'd email the other people that I had that I'd like to. Um, but I think a couple of days later, I had been thinking about it, and I had, you know, I really liked her, and... I just sort of thought, you know what, I'm gonna just bite on this one, and um, I didn't really feel like I needed to hear from anyone else. So I let people know that I'd, I'd taken this offer, and um, and that was it. And that started our beautiful journey. Um, it was not that long actually from signing with Alice until um, the book sold. I think. I signed with Alice in like late September, maybe early October, and then the book sold uh, to, or I got an offer um, from Harper Teen on the 10th of December, and I remember this because I was just leaving the house, and I had to go to a law exam for social work, which is what I study, and I got an email from Alice being like, can I talk to you this morning, and I said, okay, uh, 
very quickly and she phoned me and she told me and then I had to go and sit my law exam and <laughs> my hands were shaking and it felt like I don't know, it felt like I'd won the lottery and then I had to go and do a test. Um but yeah, that, that was it. That's so cool. And um, there are so many things you said there that I felt like I relate to so much, like um, taking the rejection really hard and also um, the two books that you wrote um, being like really like close to your heart, but very hard to market perhaps, because obviously that's one big factor, I think, um, with agents as well. Sometimes they like maybe the market is just wrong at the time. Um, it may not be your writing or anything. It just it's the market um, and it won't sell. Yeah. And they often say in their emails something like, I would love to see other work from you. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, I always think as well, like, yeah, there are all these, like, agents that you've heard of and, you know, on Twitter and, and all of that. And that's all great. And you might get a feel for who they are, but you don't really know what it's like to work with anyone unless you do. Um, I think you're always kind of taking a punt. Um, and, I don't know, you might feel like you know an agent who's very active online or something like that or who you know has a lot of high profile clients but you don't and they might not suit you just because they're a big deal i agree i feel like um what you see online is often just maybe their personality they may be really lovely people but you don't know if you're going to click as um a business relationship and that's really important i think yeah that's it like at the end of the day it is it is business they don't you know I, Alice is like the loveliest person <laughs> like, like I'm saying anything else but they don't have to be your best friend and it's nice if, if you know if you have a friendly relationship but um, but yeah I think definitely bearing in mind that you want somebody who is into business essentially and I remember Alice saying to me whenever we were doing um the contract negotiations and she was talk, telling me a bit about it and I was like oh my god that sounds like my worst nightmare because she was like you know um, explaining how they kind of not I don't know were they I want to say in fight over like <laughs> little bits uh, in the contract but you know obviously I think she would probably say negotiate or whatever but to me that was like I could not do that I couldn't I would feel really I would just accept whatever they said because I wouldn't want to have any confrontation about it and she's like no I love this part <laughs> and I was like that's good that's what I want I need somebody who loves the things that I would find super awkward I feel like um, a good agent is willing to fight for you um, is it nail and tooth I'm always bad at like sayings but they're, they're willing to fight for you and um, make sure that you have your, that, like everyone that you're working with has your best interests and it's just yeah it's, it's very important to have an agent that is willing to fight basically yeah, totally. I think somebody who can work with what you are like as well. Like so, so there was a thing recently where I was, um, I had to ask the publisher something, um, and I really didn't know what to say, and I sort of like asked Alice about it, and she was like, "Yeah, I'll do with this. Do you want me to to get in touch with them and ask them?" And I was like, "No, I don't." I actually feel really awkward about that. I would rather ask myself, but will you please tell me what to say? <laughs> so she gave me a script of what to say, and that made me feel a lot better because I felt like if I, you know, um, I just felt more comfortable saying it myself, but I didn't know how to phrase it in the way that would, you know, professional. So, um, so 
sushi evenly back until we want to say. I feel that 100%. I feel like um, it's just so nice to have someone that has the experience and knows how to um, talk to and like deal with publishers and stuff and you feel comfortable asking those questions. Totally. The next question I want to ask you was what inspired your debut novel? This is actually really tricky for me because um, I don't know. <laughs> I um, I started writing this different book, which is kind of about this girl who had just been dumped by her girlfriend, who had been her best friend her whole life, and um, and I started writing about sort of it was kind of like what did she what was she going to do to get over that, especially whenever it kind of meant that you know her friendships ended um, and. She felt kind of alone. But as I started writing it, I got more interested in what it would do to her long term. So like a year from now, how would it affect how she felt if she met someone else? And uh, especially if she had these other people in her life that she had felt abandoned by. Um, but people have asked me before why or how I thought of Fierce and Ruby doing the montage. And I genuinely have no idea um I I don't really think of ideas like I don't they don't come to me you know like that kind of like idea of JK Rowling on the train uh where she just sort of like it all just popped into her head uh that's not me and I have a friend um I have a friend Izzy who is gonna be huge someday and uh she the way that she writes uh it's like that she kind of sees everything in her head and she sort of thinks everything's through before she puts before she writes things down and she comes up with these like really me very elaborate um plans and that doesn't work for me at all i literally i just have to sit down in front of the computer and see what comes out okay um, so you're like a pantser yeah i mean sort of like i think in the beginning, definitely, yes. Like, in the beginning, the first sort of few chapters, I have a very vague notion um, of maybe something that I want to think about, something that I want to explore. So at the time, when I first started started writing Falling in Love Montage, it wasn't called that because it wasn't about that. Um, it was about, I think I was trying to think about... Um, I don't know what that kind of feeling abandoned by everybody in your life. What does that do to people? Um, and how does that affect them? But different stuff comes out. And then when I'm sort of like, I don't know, a few chapters in and I have a sense of what I'm actually writing about or who the characters are or what the premise is, then I will kind of do more of a plot. But I don't do like massive plotting. Like I don't do... Um, very detailed plot I wish that I could but I kind of tend to have more like I don't know tentpole moments I know what the end is and I kind of know what the big things are that happen on that kind of like the emotional arc that I want to go on Um, but the sort of what happens in this scene stuff that just I I just have to do that as I I go along (laughs) Has that been hard um, with, like, contracted stuff? Um, sort of. You know, I... Uh, the first... Yeah, so actually, 
the first um, contracted thing I have was um, my book too. And I had to pitch an idea, which I was like, how do I have, a, how, how am I supposed to have an idea when I haven't written anything yet? You know, that to me was like totally antithetical. So, but somehow I came up with a bunch of different like premises and um, pitched the one that I thought I could sort of see where it was going. Then when I sat down to write it, that was really difficult and um, because I felt then really because my agent or my editor had been like yes this sounds great go ahead and I had said to her you know do you want to see stuff as I go along or um you know kind of like do you want to check it as, <laughs> do you want to check my homework as, as I'm doing it and she's like no it's great just surprising um and so I think it deviated quite a bit from that uh, initial pitch, and I don't hand it in until the end of the month, so we'll, see. we'll have to see what he thinks about that. The very basics are still there, but a lot of the a lot of the stuff has kind of changed around it, um, and that was hard because I felt like I had to stick to a thing and I couldn't change it because that's what I had, that's what we agreed on. Um, and I'm sure that if I had contacted her and it's like, oh, I want to change this, you know, I'm sure she would have been fine with that. She's very lovely. Um, but I think it worked out in the end. I find a way. I find a way through it. Um, and I think somehow I've come up with also a book three kind of idea. Um, but I haven't written anything. So I think that's my, my new way to work is going to be I'll come up with a premise and I do a cup of the heck, I think, and then figure out everything else from there. I was in a similar situation. Um, I got my like my two book contract and I had to pitch them things and then they picked kind of like the ones that they liked and I had to be like, because once you've like said you would do one of them, you can't like say, I'm not feeling this anymore because book two syndrome is awful. <laughs> It's just awful. Um, so hard to write a book on contracts. So I sympathise a lot. But too, it's so hard. I, it's so difficult. And you've just come off, like, at least for me, any, I just come off finishing the, um, the copy edits for the first book. And then it was like, oh, what what's your pitch for, for book two? And then... I was surprised at sort of like, I think I pitched it around like July or something and then they were like, oh, can you hand this in at the end of December? And I was like, oh, okay, that's so quick. That felt really quick to me. Um, that is quick. And it has, it has been a struggle, but nearly there, at a, well, nearly at a first draft. That is so little time. Um, that gives me anxiety for you. <laughs> I feel like um, book two is just, I don't know why it makes it hard. I usually, I'm a fast drafter and book two took me months. I usually draft in like a month. Um, and then book two took me from October to May. And I was just like, this has never been my experience. So it's just an awful thing for everyone. Um, but it's good to be open about it. So everyone knows going into it is normal. Totally. I don't think 
think I've talked to anyone who hasn't been like, oh my God, what is this? What is this book too? What how does this? Why is this so difficult? Right. I mean, for like talking to people, I found that everyone struggles. Even authors that I've read their second book that's already come out, um, and they said that they struggled. I'm like, how? It's perfect. Um, so it just reassures me. No, it's good. I think everyone's in the same kind of boat. So we're going to move on to the next question. Sasha doesn't believe in love at first sight or happy endings. I want to know if you do. Ah, uh, well, I definitely don't believe in love at first sight. Um, I think that you can absolutely really fancy someone at first sight, although that wouldn't really happen to me. I would definitely need to have a chat with someone before I start fancy them. Um, but I do think other people, you know, people can see someone and immediately be attracted to them um but to me love is a different thing um i think it depends how you define it um you know i suppose a lot of people talk about it as if it's just a feeling and um, that you get and i don't really feel that way um i think whatever it means to me i don't think it's something that just happens when you look at someone um, not just a connection you know it's like a commitment um and that doesn't just happen happy endings i think that's tricky (laughs) when i wrote the book i you know first i definitely did believe in happy endings um but i think life sort of tested my faith a bit and um the book like editing the book has been a really strange experience because i think that it's almost resonated with me more when I was editing it than when I was writing it because things in my life changed um but I don't want to give too much away but the book isn't really about Saoirse learning to believe in happy endings either like that's not kind of you know that's not her journey her journey is not going from someone who doesn't believe in happy endings to someone who does um it's a bit more uh, you know, it's not a, it's not black and white like that. It is a bit more, it's a bit more grey. I think. <laughs> I agree, and I love what you said about the um, like the editing. You kind of learn more about your book. I feel like during editing, I was telling my friend um, who read my book at its like first draft that whatever you're gonna read when it comes out, it's not the book you read. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and I think that it was weird, like for me, like the book kind of came out of nowhere um you know in terms of like you know Saoirse and I are well we may may say our sense of humor but we're not that alike um um but I think that I kind of it's really weird I think the journey that she goes on is kind of it resonates more with me now than when I had first written it, it was kind of weirdly the book that I needed to read when I was when I was editing it. Wow, that's so nice though. Yeah, isn't it? Weird. Maybe that's like I don't know the universe or something. I also don't believe in love at first sight. I feel like some people I've seen on Twitter, for example, say I, when I looked at that person, I knew they'll be my future wife or my future husband, and then they do get married. But I don't think mm. that they necessarily loved them. They just felt maybe a strong attraction. And they had like hope that they would then also be attracted to their personality um, and that it would last. That's, that's what I think. 
but I'm a skeptic. I used to be a very huge, I think I'm still a huge romantic, but I feel like life has made me a skeptic. <laughs> yes, life will do that. <laughs> um, but I think, no, I think I totally think you're right. I think obviously, you know, I think it's, I think it's confirmation bias. You know, people see someone and they think, oh, I'm going to marry them. And then when they do, they think, oh, well, I knew from that moment that I was going to marry them. But, you know, there must be a lot of people who think they're going to marry someone and then they don't. So, <laughs> you know, I just think that was just a, a good, like a, a lucky coincidence. I think that too, but maybe we're just both cynics. Yeah, that is, that is entirely possible. I am quite cynical and um, maybe maybe they are right and I am just miserable. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big mood. Um, I was wondering what your favourite part of writing the book was. Um, no parts. I don't like any of the parts. <laughs> um, no, I have quite, I, I'm quite bad about like always wanting to get to the next part um, and thinking that's my favourite part and then when I'm doing it, I'm like, no, I don't like that. Um, but I mean, overall, I think that I actually do enjoy it. Like, I do enjoy the process. There are days, I think, where you're, oh, I don't know, where it feels like you're trying to bleed words out of your eyeballs, and that's difficult. Um, and I think especially with the book two pressures and knowing that somebody's waiting on it and people are going to read it and it, you know, kind of, you. I think you end up comparing your finished book one to your first draft of book two and that can be really disheartening um but overall I do like drafting I do enjoy it like I enjoy those bits where you're writing it and then all like lots of words come out and you're like oh my god this actually makes sense and especially when you know you accidentally kind of um make connections so I um, like sort of when you're writing something and then for me like like I said like and I don't do like massive amounts of planning if I write something and then I'm like oh my god it actually really ties into the theme I feel really proud of myself <laughs> because I didn't plan it I didn't plan it that way I'm just like oh it feels like I, I don't know it feels a little bit mystical Um, I don't think it is I think it's probably a lot more mundane than that but it feels that way and um I really like editing actually. I really like editing with the editor that I have now, Stephanie Stein and she's um whenever she gave me notes on book one, um it was really really all kind of um made sense to me and I uh, I also had another editor so my UK editor Stephanie and then the US or the sorry US editor Stephanie and UK editor Chloe they were both sort of working together and I was kind of amazed at how much they were in sync um, and when I first Chloe was the first person that I spoke to um, about the book and um, before before she had um, made an offer on it um, and everything that she said was so like when she said something I was like oh my god yeah that is totally right that is definitely 
what would happen? I should definitely change that. Um, and throughout the whole process, both of them have been. I've never, they've never really said anything where I, I felt no, that's not right. You don't, you're not getting it. Like you're not getting what I'm trying to say. And um, I was, I think I was lucky to feel like they were, or maybe not lucky, because I think a lot of people say this, but it felt lucky to me. But it felt like they both really knew what the book was and how to make it better and everything that they suggested was stuff that really resonated with me and in, to the point where I was like, why did I think of that kind of thing? Um, so I really enjoyed that and I'm looking forward to doing it again. Um, I don't really, my second book doesn't have a UK daily yet. Um, so I'll just be, for now, working with Stephanie. And I'm actually, I'm really looking forward to getting her her feedback and see what she thinks. But only if she, you know, practices it with, I really like this. But, you know, if she gets back to me and she's like, oh my God, this is terrible. <laughs> I probably won't feel the same way. Um, I agree with both of your favourite parts of, like, the writing process. I love when things fall into place. Because, you know, especially when you're, like, struggling so much with, like, maybe working out something and then something clicks and everything just like kind of connects like puzzle pieces um with me it's usually like oh my god that person's gay for that person how could I not have seen that <laughs> um <laughs> but um also like the editor thing like my editor Becky I'm always saying this and she listens to my podcast so it's always embarrassing um because she's like oh yeah I loved your new episode and then I'm like in that episode I was just gushing about her for five minutes but um totally the same I feel like I never thought that I would get an editor obviously everyone I speak to says the same thing so none of us are special um <laughs> but it's just like I never thought that I would get someone that would like um I don't know like you know when you're, when you're querying and you just feel so much doubt about how many people would like get your book and already it felt like I was already lucky to have an agent who got my book I didn't think it could happen twice <laughs> so um that was just great um but yeah I, I agree totally with like what you find fun and I also love when I'm not in the stage I'm currently at um while I'm like doing my my book stuff I hate writing when I'm writing I hate editing when I'm editing so <laughs> yeah I feel that um I wanted to know what your favorite romance trope is well I think it changes I'm I'm too I am just I'm just a flake so uh, it, anything that I say is only valid for that conversation. <laughs> um, uh, but I was thinking about this actually this morning, and um, I think the one that I'm really into right now is the one where you know you're trapped with someone that you don't really like, but you have to kind of work together on something, or you're trapped in a room, or and then you know love ensues. Um, but I think the reason that I'm really into that right now is because I have an idea for book three that uh, kind of involves that trope. So <laughs> I think if you'd asked me, you know, a year ago, I would have said something different. And if you ask me a year from now, I will say something different again. I actually, um, I don't like many romance tropes. I feel like, as I'm a cynic, so I find them like, I'm just like, how can that happen? I just, I just roll my eyes. And it's weird because I love rom-coms. They're like my favourite thing. Um, that's all I love. And I, I watch it with like, 
with like heart eyes but then after the rom-com i'm like love is dead how can that happen um <laughs> like even like um i think my favorite trope is not even romance related it's like i actually love when um i love enemies to, to best friends um and that trope is kind of like something that's reoccurring in my books as well because i just love platonic platonic like love um so that's mine but i'm interested to see i've never read anything when someone's trapped in the same room um i'm very uneducated i'm trying to think if i had do you know what it's funny when you talk about these like all of these tropes i actually really struggle to think oh what what is that in i know i've seen it somewhere even when i was coming up with like the montage um they do all of these things i sort of reverse engineered it so i was thinking you know what happens what do i think happens in a montage and then I had to go and find what, like, what more what films are not happening because um, I didn't match them up. Um, but um, I think I think trapped in the same place can be quite broad. So it could be trapped in an elevator together, or it could be you know a bit uh, wider than that, and it could be um, trapped in a job together or trapped in a situation um, where you have to get along so like I'm thinking out of like off the top of my head of like the proposal where um, Sandra Bullock uh, has to marry her assistant for a green card and they have to go and visit his parents um, in the wilderness in Canada and uh, they're sort of trapped together in his house, even though they don't really get along. But, you know, they learn to see each other for who they really are and fall in love. <laughs> I feel like I'm so excited for, to read your book because um, I love montages. In movies, montages are my favourite thing. And because they just like, they contain snapshots of like, um, you know, in every romance movie, um, when the person, like, when the people are like, getting along before the big like fight um mm-hmm. i love that part because i'm just like i know the fight's happening and i'm happy you guys are happy for now um so when i first had your title i was like okay i'm really interested and then i read like the um synopsis and i was like i can't wait to get this book um and i think you sent it to me and so now that i have time off school i'm definitely going to to procrastinate from writing and read your book <laughs> Don't worry about it because I have been so bad. I have found reading this year almost impossible. Um, because uh, like you, I'm also at university. Although unlike you, I'm very old and it's not my first time there. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so trying to get everything in, and then everybody's books are coming out, and you want to read everybody's thing. Um, there's so many that I want to read. Like, right? So many of them sound amazing, but. I'm just like, oh, I don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> or even like, if we do have time, I'm so exhausted. Oh, what a mood. I feel like university just drains you and life is just draining. So since you're writing a romance book, I wanted to know what your favourite romance movies slash books were. Well, like, I kind of like what you were saying, I have a complicated relationship with romance. Um, like, like Ruby in my book, I love rom-coms. I really do. Um, I think for a long time I resisted loving them because, you know, they're kind of, they're denigrated a lot. I think they're, you know, you 
know, they're seen as silly or frothy or whatever, because, you know, it's not okay to watch a movie if it's fun and enjoyable. You have to be serious and uh, meaningful. Um, but I, and I think especially for women to like um, things that are fun and frothy is, is kind of, you know, kind of looked down on you know it's this kind of thing of like oh you're frivolous you know um and so I think like when I was younger I would have sort of resisted that I love them as much as I do but like Fiercia in my book they um bringing it around <laughs> um I think they're I think they're often based on like inherently problematic foundations you know and I think people have talked about that a lot you know how guys in rom-coms are stalkers <laughs> or um you know or they're possessive or they're too jealous or you know certain traits are seen as romantic when actually they're in real life they're incredibly creepy and i think both of those things are true um but they don't have to be um i think obviously you can enjoy things that you know there's an issue with it um and it's fine to critique things and still like them. Um, but I also think that it, it is possible to make romantic comedies where it is more... Um, where it isn't... Where it's possible to make romantic comedies where you don't have that, where it's not based on that. It's not based on, on creepy behaviours or stereotypes. It's just... Um, relationships and the sort of difficulties that they go through but also um you know hilarious hijinks um but one of my favorites at the minute although it's not new um is uh hope floats with sandra bullock i haven't heard of that one i think i don't think it's as big as like some of her other ones but i think that like rom-coms live or die on who's in it you know and so it has to be somebody who is very charming and likeable and Sandra Bullock is always charming and likeable um on screen I don't know what she's like in real life she's terrible <laughs> I've never um, seen her in anything actually oh you haven't seen her in anything yeah well I like Hope Floats um because it's one where she's she's actually been through a divorce and she uh, moves back home where she was like um sort of the I don't know, what do, you, what do they call that one, Americans? Like, the prom queen, she was back. Um, and then she feels like when she goes back home that actually she doesn't really have anything. Like, what she had was this, like, this marriage and that was what was, that was her life. Um, and she goes back home and she kind of has to find herself. And she also finds Harry Connick Jr. And... But I think that it's nice because I like that idea that, like, you know, your life isn't over just because a relationship has ended. And, you know, people can love again. I like that. I like a second chance kind of thing. Um, but I also like that a lot of the movie focuses on her finding a sense of self um, separate from her relationship um, and I would not say that it's a perfect film by any means I'm sure that if people watch it they'll find something to criticize but I think that it's nice you know it's nicer than like 
one recently. I can't remember the name of it, but it was about this girl who uh, essentially, I don't, I don't like the phrasing, but steals her best friend's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the most... Um, it's the most depressing rom-com I've ever seen. All of the characters in it are terrible, terrible people. And you're just like, I don't want any of you to be happy. Or alternatively, maybe you all deserve each other because you're all such terrible people. Um, and I don't like that. I like, I like rom-coms where people are a bit more, you know, introspective. Yeah, I feel that. I feel like... um. My favourite rom-coms are often ones that kind of subvert the um, classic problematic trope. I find them kind of cringy at this point. Um, like one of my favourite um, rom-coms is uh, Love, Rosie. Have you heard of that or watched it? What's it called? Love, Rosie. Love, Rosie. Um, do you know what? I have heard of it, but I haven't seen it. It's like my rainy day like movie. It's so good. Yes. I feel like it's um, probably problematic as well in some way. But um, it's just about, like, these people who, like, are best friends from childhood and, like, life is crappy and, like, they go through a lot of stuff and they don't get together until they're, like, adults. And it's just, like, they keep on missing each other, but it's just so lovely. But, yeah. <laughs> for me to like something... Oh, I definitely watch that. I, I love it. It's just so nice. But for me to like something where everyone is white and uh, heterosexual, I, I often uh-huh. think that that's due to good writing. So... <laughs> Yeah, well, that is the thing with rom-coms, isn't it? Like, that is what they are and what they have been for a really long time. Um, and that hasn't really changed that much, you know? Like, you do have um, some rom-coms coming up with, like, more diverse casts, but not... They don't tend not to get the same... You know, they don't tend to be the same big budget, like glossy films they tend to be like lower lower budget films and it's not says they're not good um but they are kind of they don't get the same you know the same audience or the same money or yeah. um the same kind of like they're not intended i think i think they they assume the audience won't relate to it you know um it feels like sometimes the white straight rom-com is meant to be for everybody <laughs> and anything else is like a niche movie and you're like well it's only like that because you're making it like that i mean love simon done so well it did love simon did do really well um and and that's great it is really really good um but it's one it's one film it's one yeah it's one film out of so many um, that we need and um yeah. i'm so happy that crazy rich asians done well because um i love crazy rich asians i cried when i was watching it in the cinema yeah no i think that was um that's been really good and i just hope that people look at that and go well look obviously because obviously hollywood is money so obviously you know you hope that they look at that and go well look this can make money like this does make money and um and so, I don't know, you hope that they will take that and make other things and give it the same kind of backing and the same big um, big release and the big, the big stars and the, you know, glossy budget, you know. And then you have films at the minute, I know I'm rambling here, sorry. <laughs> but um, you have 
films coming out where you have people, like, you still have people being coded as gay, but they're, it never, it's never said, you know, the whole Charlie's Angels thing. And I just find that exhausting. It's so exhausting. You and they, they act like it's, um, they market it as if it's going to be gay. And then you yeah. watch it and you're just kind of like, okay, like, you know, um, the Marvel the whole Marvel thing yeah. where they were like, oh yeah, there's gay representation. And then, um, it's actually two seconds and I'm like, that's not representation. That's just showing I that know. they exist. I know. It's pathetic and I find it really annoying. Like, I find it really annoying that in 2020 you can have, um, persons who are like winking at someone and that's supposed to be <laughs> representation. And it's fine. Oh, they'll go on a press tour and say, yeah, oh yeah, totally the character's gay. It's like, well, you didn't say it in your movie so it doesn't count. You can't, like, retroactively Dumbledore this stuff. You know, it's not, you know, it's, 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 I think we should be past that. I was just thinking about that. I, um, I've actually deleted Harry Potter from my mind, but just pretending as if I remember what that is, whatever that book series is. Um, I remember <laughs> I, I read it quite late. Um, I mean, not late in terms of my age. I was 11, 12, so that was the right age, I guess. But because I was born in the year that, um, Harry Potter was published. Um, oh my God. I <laughs> I obviously didn't grow up with it. I had to read it like afterwards. Yeah. My, bro- my brother grew up with it, but he didn't read it because um, my mom said he shouldn't and he listens to her. But um, I read it and I remember thinking, oh my God, there's going to be a big coming out scene where Dumbledore like gathers all the wizards around and is like, I'm gay guys. And it never came. And I was like, what the hell? Uh, I found out that she said it afterwards and I was like, what then? Is that really representation? <laughs> I mean, it's nice knowing that he is, but, like, where is the representation in the books? Well, the thing is, I... It's for me, I'm like, if it's not in the book, he's not. Like, you know, to... You know, if, if in the book, Dumbledore has no romantic relationships, you know, the relationship between him and Grindelwald is, for all intents and purposes, on paper, um, is a friendship. Um, there's never, I don't think there's a suggestion that there's anything else there. I think it's entirely, it's, it's entirely retroactive. Um, and when you have an assumption that characters are straight, um, you know, if you, if you don't say it, it doesn't count. You know, I don't think, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, no, you don't, you don't kind of gay just because somebody said it in an interview later. If it's not in the book, it didn't happen. I feel like J.K. Rowling can choke. Okay, next question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next question is, if the Falling in Love montage was made into a movie or a TV show, who would you want to play Ruby and who would you want to play Sasha? I have no idea. I, I am so bad at actors. I don't know. But I do think that I would like it to be probably... I would like... What I would really like is for it to be Irish actor... Well, for Searcher to be an Irish actress and for Ruby to be an English actress. Um, because... Um, partly because I think that Irish actresses don't... You know... You know, they're not... Like, there's not as many of them out there. They're... You know, if it, there's an Irish part, I would like to see it go to an Irish actress. Um, especially because they wouldn't have to do a bad accent, they would just use their own accent. <laughs> that would be that would be really nice. I really like that. But having said that, and I would also like for it to be people who are you know relatively close to to that age. You know, there are 
supposed to be sort of 17 going on 18 and you know not like pro-child labor uh so if they did hire people who were <laughs> were over 18 that would be fine but i would like i'd like to see people who look around the age that they are you know like I'd like to see, you know, like for like if you're looking at um, sex education, the main guy in that actually looks like what I remember teenage boys looking like when I went to school, um, and I like that. Whereas, like if you watch Riverdale, you're like, hmm, nobody in my school looked like that. <laughs> I feel that I feel like um, sex education. I was watching it today because obviously season two is out, and um, Otis looks like. He, the guy that plays him, he looks like a teenager. He looks, he has like, he hasn't got perfect skin. He just kind of looks normal. Yeah. yeah, and I like that. And I would like them to, you know, in an ideal world, I would like them to look normal. Like, I don't put a lot of description into my books, but I definitely, unless somebody has to be incredibly beautiful for a reason, I, you know, I don't like that kind of thing where everyone is super hot. <laughs> um, I think in a book, like, Searsha thinks Ruby is super hot. You know, because she fancies her, but I don't. I don't think I ever describe either or any of the characters. I think in a way where I'm like, these people are objectively beautiful. So, but I haven't said that. If Hollywood came to me and wanted to make a huge budget movie with like, uh, I don't know, somebody. He's like twenty five, like Emma Roberts, and you know whatever. I would sell out, hundred percent. We're like, yeah, give me that sweet money. All right, I'll write another book. <laughs> uh, honestly, thank you for being honest because um, I would too. But actually, I have I have <laughs> limits. As long as they don't whitewash characters, then I'm fine. Yeah. But then yeah, after that, I'm like, right. whatever, do what you want. <laughs> Yeah, I think the only sticking point for me would be that I would want it always to be at least set in Ireland. Like, I think that was important for me um, to write a book that is set in Ireland, you know, and um, with Irish characters, because I think, you know, there's great YA Irish authors out there at the minute. You know, there's amazing people like Deirdre Sullivan and Myra Riley Doyle and... Claire Hennessy, Sarah Griffin, there's so many great ones, um, but we are still kind of drowned out by, um, by the UK or, or Americans, and I, I love the fact that we have, um, that there's three of us this year, you know, um, with the Henna Wars, and Queen of Coin and Whispers, and I love that there's three of us, and all of our books are gay. The, the gay people are taking over. The last question is, what would you like readers to take away from reading your book? Um, I think I would like just to feel like they had a good time, you know? <laughs> um, if they, if they had a, like, if they enjoyed it, like, that's enough for me. I don't, um, there are obviously themes in the book that are really important to me, um, and it says something, you know, there's a lot about memory and the nature of relationships and how we feel about relationships when they've changed. So when there's a change in 
because yeah the, the state of your relationship with someone else or the nature of it with someone else like what does that mean about everything that went before um, and what do things mean to us when our memories of them are skewed or our memories change or we lose our memories um, but I hope that you know I think some people will take that out of it um, but honestly if, if people just like it like I think it's, it's it's entertainment it's meant to be fun it's meant to be something that you enjoy um, and if you close it over and just were like oh that was good like that's enough to me yeah I agree like life is hard like so <laughs> so you know you know, if there's things that uh, that you enjoy, if I can make something that people enjoy, uh, then that's, um, I think that's really powerful. I agree. Um, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for asking me. I've never been on a podcast. I feel uh, very happy. Um, could you tell everyone where they can find you, like social media and um, your website and everything? Yes. Um, so... You can find me on Twitter at um, Kira Nick G, so it was C-I-A-R-A-N-I-C-G, um, which is, you don't need to know this, but it's short for my name in Irish, which is Kira Nick Aaron, but no one can pronounce that. Um, and um, I am on, on Instagram at uh, Kira is writing, but I'm really bad at taking pictures, so I'm not on there that much. But yeah, get me on Twitter. Um, I have... Do not have a website. It is being made at the minute. It will be kirasmith.com, um, but it is in development. Well, thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me.